Hey folks, it's Jeff Fuzzy Wenzel from the Woodshed Agency, and you are listening to a new episode of Successfully Funded. Here we go. Let's turn it up. Crowdfunders, how's everybody doing out there in the beautiful, wonderful land of crowdfunding? Thank you all for jumping on this podcast or this Facebook Live or wherever you're listening. Uh, I am your host, Jeff Fuzzy Wenzel, CEO of Woodshed Agency, and this is our podcast. And what we do here is we like to talk to project creators while they're either in the middle of a campaign or their campaign has just finished up or, you know, within the last few months their campaign has ended, like today's episode. Um, and what we do is we want to know what do they do to become successfully funded because that is the most important thing here, right, is how do you guys launch your projects on platforms like Kickstarter and Indiegogo and how do you raise that capital you need to, you know, to get your projects going. So today we've got an episode that is a rebroadcast. This uh, episode originally aired back in July. Uh, it's for the company Quench C. And that's Quench, C-S-E-A. Um, and they created this like manual power device, and it instantly turns seawater into drinkable fresh water. Yeah, that's right. Seawater into drinkable fresh water, and like you hold it in your hand. It's pretty crazy. Uh, so I'm going to be talking to Hannah Forbes. Uh, she's from the company that uh, uh, helped in their marketing. Um, and they, re- they ran an Indiegogo, like I said. Very, very successful campaign. Uh, something that was like, just it was one of those those conversations where I'm like I'm talking to like something that I know I'm going to be able to see in the future something that is very very unique so again I definitely recommend everybody uh, sticking around and listening to this interview that's coming up here in just a little bit uh, about Quench C so and then also our musical guest today is a band from Detroit called the Urs the Urs um, and this was a really really fun GBS session back in the day. Uh, a really solid three-piece band that, I don't know, it's just a really fun song coming up at the end here. So make sure you guys stick to uh, stick around for after the interview when we uh, have our musical guest, The Errors, on. So what else is going on? It's Monday. We're kicking it off. It's about 12.49. I'm a little late to getting the episode up today, and you know why? I went to Bikram Yoga. Woo! <laughs> yep, that's right. Uh, yeah, the, my, the yoga place opened up. Um, or I'm sorry, hot yoga, I think it's called now. I don't know if I can call it Bikram yoga because I think there's like a big lawsuit and whatnot. I'm not 100% sure. My, my point to all that is I haven't been there in a while. Now, if you guys are regular listeners, you know, back in the, you know, before the pandemic, I was regularly three days a week, sometimes four. Sometimes I sink that snap Saturday morning in. But those Saturday mornings are tough. Um, uh, just tough to get to for me. Usually I have a little bit of a party on a Friday night. Um, but got there, wore a mask social distance. Um, and I'm tired. I'm not gonna lie. I'm tired. And I'm just pounding the water here, just pounding it. Um, but man, am I sore because my body has probably been sitting in, well, not probably has been sitting in a chair, uh, for almost, you know, over a year without doing basically no, very little body movement. And I know I clench. I do a lot of this when my shoulders are up. Um, so man, there's a lot of moves today where I was like, Oh gosh, I am struggling, 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 but feels good to be there. Right. It feels good. I'm going to go Wednesday and Friday this week as well. Gonna, gonna, gonna get back into that habit. Cause mental man it's the mental that's why i always talk about man go back to some of those episodes where you hear me talking about you know starting yoga again and i 
really, I've, I've been going for like almost four years, maybe almost five years now. Now, it feels like every year I have some major like catastrophe that like slows me down for a while. Um, you know, I remember the early in, early going, my dad first started getting sick, like really bad. So I was going up and, you know, back and forth. So like I, I kind of stopped going there, you know, after a year or so. Um, and then I think there was a year where like, you know, we just ran out of money. We just didn't have a lot of money. So I stopped then. And then this recent one is the pandemic. <sighs> but in a nutshell, it was great to be there. Great to get the sweat going. You know what I mean? 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 Yeah. So what else is going on? What else is going on, man? You know, what do you guys got going on? What are you guys working on? I know over here it's got some snow outside. Had to do some shoveling yesterday, which was nice. You know, uh, we don't – now, I, I've left from my old house a lot of sidewalks, a lot of long driveways. I had to get a snowblower, man, because it sucked. Um, now I've got one sidewalk – and a driveway that only fits like literally two cars. There's like, it's, it's like, and if you're standing in the back of my car, you're in the road. So very short driveway. So man, you can knock it out with a shovel in, you know, 10 minutes. Um, but it was, you know, we got a little snow last night. Um, and yeah, it, so how about, how about that football? What that football, man? I mean, you may be a Tom Brady hater and I understand that, you know, sometimes when people win are always just a winner, you get hated on, right? I, I get that, but come on. Have we? We'll never see anything like this again in our lifetime. There's no way we'll see some a quarterback get to ten Super Bowls. We'll never see that. No, you know. But I, th- I, I thought it was interesting. Um, of the idea that I heard on a couple interviews as to just you know what is the difference, man? Tom Brady's you know a 43 year old guy with not a very strong arm, not very athletic. What is the magic? How do you go to another team and get back to the Super Bowl? Now, granted, you have really good team members. There's no doubt about that, and, and players. But really, you know, the other thing that's happening in this is, um, is the, the interviews with these Buccaneer players who have been on the franchise for a while were just like he brought the I, this belief into the locker room that we could do it, that we could do it. It's not far fetched, and I found that incredibly interesting to hear because. When it comes to crowdfunding, when it comes to your startups, your entrepreneurship, I, it, there is it has to be this sort of of energy behind the scenes of just like no, 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 you can do it. That's it. You can you can be very very successful. Um, and then you need team members around you. You need these other things, but it can happen. And sometimes that doubt that might seep in and like you know curl around and. and 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 hold you down a little bit, maybe not make you work as hard or whatever it might be. You got to get rid of that. And I thought that was intriguing. You're talking about a franchise that hasn't been in the Super Bowl in 20 years, right? I'm in Detroit with, with the Lions, and we'll, I don't think we'll ever be in a Super Bowl. And you really come back to it is a belief system that it actually could happen for real, not fantasy for real. It really could happen. So that's interesting. That's interesting because I see how you can skate very close to this delusional line, right? You could get very close to like, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I believe I'm going to be a billionaire. Okay, maybe. You know, chances of that, slim to none maybe. Maybe not, I don't know. Um, But, you know, maybe, or maybe you can only really have that, that vibe of believing, you know, that you'll get to a Super Bowl or whatever it is, that you'll achieve greatness is if you've at least done it once. So maybe that's what we're talking about, is that you really can't have that energy 
if, um, you know, if you've never done it, right? So like, you know, I have a lot of confidence in crowdfunding. Why? Because I've done it many, 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 many times, right? So uh, that doesn't mean that we're not trying to achieve greatness, right? But um, I have this sort of belief when I look at a project and a campaign that yes, this can happen. And by the way, I'm not comparing myself to Tom Brady. I'm just trying to align it to like crowdfunding, startups, entrepreneurship, and whatnot. So I don't know. I thought that was a very interesting um, some you know quotes I heard from from Buccaneer team members, and I don't know. I think it's something to really stand back and really take from it. Of like you know truly having belief in your system with your team members, with your family, your husband. What you know maybe you're working on it with family driven, right? Whatever. You just you got to make sure that that self doubt is not all around you because. It doesn't help. Certainly doesn't help. So, yeah, that is that's my thoughts, man. I don't know. I'm excited, man. I'm excited for the Super Bowl. Should be a good one, right? I hope the Chiefs don't just blow them out. But again, how could you bet that? How could you even think that with a Tom Brady team, right? There's just no way. They'll come, there'll be something, right? Um, but yeah, those Chiefs are pretty good, man. They looked pretty good yesterday. But it's nice watching a little football. I don't watch a lot of it anymore. I don't know. I've, I've lost a little bit. But once it gets to, like, playoffs and championship time, it's fun to watch. It, it is fun to watch. So, all right, guys. Um, again, if you are thinking about working on a crowdfunding campaign, want, you got to go over to woodshed.agency right now. By the way, I don't know this cam. Oh, look at that. Look, look. Oh, let me go. What? There's Buddy. Buddy the dog. Um, if you're thinking about launching a crowdfunding campaign, you got to go over to woodshed.agency right now. One. Go to our blog section. Tons and tons of content. New content comes out every Tuesday, right? So go check that out. If that's not, that doesn't, you know, blow your skirt up, maybe you got to go over to the podcast and subscribe there. Smash that subscribe button if you're listening to this on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you're listening to it at. Maybe it's, you're on YouTube or maybe you're Facebook Live in it. You know, follow us on Facebook so you get notified that we're going live. Um, you know, or pick the consultation button. There's a consultation tab. Click on that. It goes to my calendar link and you get 20 minutes with me. Tell me what you're working on and I'll point you in the right direction or I'll tell you that you're, hey, just just keep going true north. You're on it, man. Um, but soup, that should be very, very valuable stuff for you. So again, lots of lots of info out there. Um, and listen to this episode today, man. Listen to what Hannah's talking about in terms of how to launch a project that is, you know, almost um, fantasy-like. Like, you know what I mean? Something that's like such a big idea, like turning seawater into freshwater, you know, in with the with a tool that you you have, I mean, just doesn't it seem like that's that's like fantasy limb. So how do you sort of navigate this big idea and still show it in the crowdfunding space? So again, we're gonna dive way into that. And then again, like I said, stick around for the ers afterwards. It's gonna be uh, they are a good good rock band. So all right, with all that said, I think it's time that we kick it to my interview. So the red light's on. We have to make some record magic here. So hopefully you're ready to go with it. And I have one question for you to start. What did you have for breakfast this morning? Oh, I had something really boring. Um, it was like, it, it sounds even worse than it is. It's basically just cornflakes, but they're called, it's like our own brand, like fortified flakes. So going to get our fiber. <laughs> okay. All right. And nothing, not just some milk in that, uh, you know, some regular milk? Yeah, all just the milk. milk and then coffee. Yeah. Okay. Nothing all right. Great. <laughs> is that a normal breakfast? Is that like the, I, I have that same thing every day? 
I, I kind of mix it up quite a lot, actually. So I'm just going through a, a flake space. Um, but before that, it was uh, Marmite on Toast, which is very British. Um, but that was, that was my, like, flavor of the week. Um, who cool. knows what will happen next week. <laughs> oh, man. We have these episodes once a week just to kind of keep up on your breakfast routine. But, uh, <laughs> well, instead of that, why don't we actually talk about why we're chatting today? Uh, we're we're going to talk about your uh, very successful uh, Indiegogo campaign. Why don't you tell my listeners, one, who you are, and what you're raising money for uh, over on Indiegogo right now. Yeah, super. So um, I'm Hannah and I'm from Quench Sea, um, which is one product part of the Hydro Wind Energy uh, Limited company. Um, and Hydro Wind Energy um, is a company that works on both small scale and large scale green solutions to fight the water crisis. Um, and specifically, Quench Sea is a handheld desalination device that requires only um, manual power to turn seawater into fresh water. And that's what we're fundraising for in Indiegogo. Now, I got, I'll, I'll be frank. When I first saw this idea, it's one of those things where I was like, yeah, there's just no way. There's, 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 <laughs> what, what's going on here? You know, is, am I nuts on that? Is that how most people see it? Because, I mean, I see it do it. The page looks great. You're clearly, you're funding, you're doing well. But it almost seems like it's a little bit of fairy I'm like, what? You know, so like, what's going on? And, and where did this idea sort of come from? Yeah, um, that's totally understandable. And we've definitely had that reaction. Um, I think ultimately that reaction is because it it does sound too good to be true. Like it, yeah. it's incredibly innovative. Um, but really, actually, what's happened is that reverse osmosis technology and reverse osmosis filters are not new technology, but the price has significantly decreased over the last kind of five years. So we're really just coming at a point um, where those filters are more accessible. Um, and so because of that, we're the first ones to take this technology and make it more accessible and more low cost. Um, and specifically, we decided to use that technology for a handheld device um, so they could be distributed to those in need very quickly. Um, right. So yeah, so I can completely understand that reaction. Um, but in terms of how it's actually come to this point, it's been quite kind of methodical in terms of how the industry has changed. Yeah. So I guess for because it sounds like it's a bigger company, right? So where does this idea this handheld product sort of fit into the whole big picture of what the company does? Sure. So this is our first consumer product and um, yeah. we're a textiles back company. So the company's been um, actually based in Dubai for the last few months working on the textiles accelerator. Um, and there's definitely like bigger visions for larger scale, um, yeah, larger scale solutions. Um, but in terms of where this particularly fits, this is our, first opportunity to bring something that we feel is the most effective way to use our time to fight the world's water crisis. Because while their big solutions already exist, like big desalination plants already exist, only a handheld device can um, really be distributed quickly at low cost and actually give anyone that is in need of water immediate access and immediate ownership of of that production. So, I mean, it feels like this is just a, I mean, it's a huge idea, right? So, you know, just in general. So, what hap- how, how does the design of this sort of start to come together in terms of, you know, I, I, you know, your costs have come down and, you know, what's kind of happening behind the scenes to get it to a point where I'm looking at it on an Indiegogo page? It seems like there's a lot of steps in, in there. Yeah, definitely. Um, so I'm not on the product development team, so I can't talk about all the kind of granular challenges yeah. that they've gone through. Um, but where we're, we're at now is that we've we've gone through several phases of prototypes to the point where we're at the final technological prototype. And the next step is basically repackaging it. So the mm-hmm. actual technology works, um, and you'll see that on our page as well. We have a testing video and a taste test video, which shows the technology. Um, and the next step now is 
making it more aesthetic, basically, at the moment. It, there's lots of wires and it looks very lab-based, <laughs> which it is. Um, and the next step is the more kind of form industrial design aspects of the work. Right, right. So I, I guess real quick, where where do you fit in the company? Is it all marketing or, does, you know, since you're not in the design, where, where do you fit in? What is your, mo- your main focus? Sure. Um, so my background is actually in mechanical engineering. Um, mm. So everyone in the team does have an idea of the technology. And I think that was really important to the founder, Lee. Uh, But my particular role at the moment is I'm focusing on fundraising. Uh, So both the uh, equity raising and Indiegogo raising is my, I'm project managing that work. Gotcha, gotcha. So then I get, yeah. So my question, I want to make sure I was asking a question to the right person is, you know, I I find that ideas like this, they can get so big in the the reward-based crowdfunding space, right? So it's like, you know, everybody can have one of these things. It's going to save the world, right? You know, um, we're going to save water shortage. How do you navigate that sort of narrative, not having that big of a narrative, but having a narrative of like, this is an actual real solution that, you know, we want to bring to the market. We know it could be big, but our focus is, you know, right here, right now. Does that make sense? Mm, yeah, completely. It's a really good question. And actually, to be honest, something that we've, we've had to learn and adapt from because yeah. we, we did, and as you've kind of said, it is something that is revolutionary. Um, and right. when you hear the, something that small can turn seawater into freshwater, it's like, wow. But actually having the constant narrative of this is revolutionary, this is innovative, this is changing yeah. the world, I think that there's like fatigue associated with that. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's something we did notice quite quickly. So um, that's been a journey that we've been on in terms of refining that tone of voice, refining the copy that we do with the ads um, to a point now where we're, our main focus is um, more kind of natural engagement and a real focus on um, some of the work that we've been doing with our community. So asking them how we think we should sell the product and talking closer to our backers. Um, so the ways we're doing that, we've obviously we've got our mailing list that we've been building and we've been using that to ask for feedback. Um, and we also have a private Facebook group as well. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's a really good question and something that you know we've been working on is definitely yeah. continuing to evolve how we, how sure. we manage that narrative around the product, yeah. Sure. And, 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 a, and a product like this, um, you know, how do you... So it seems like to me, and again, this is, this is me looking from afar... So if I'm off base, I'm off base, but I'm just looking at it. Um, you know, it feels like it's a product that potentially, even though it's a B2C right now, still has a little bit of a B2B. Like I could imagine it on like, you know, a ship, right? Or or like, you know, you have you're in a in a, a scenario where like you need water, right? You 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 know, you you you're you're in a you're in a bad situation, right? And thank God I have this thing. So does that make it hard for like the average consumer, a guy like me? I don't know. I live in Michigan. Yeah, I've got water, but the water's never above my face. I don't know. You know, I'm just sitting in a little pool, right? Like, I'm not in this world, right? So, like, you know, how do you sort of navigate who this customer is or this this customer persona as to where you are right now? Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. Um, and again, this was this was something we experimented with. So we had an idea of who we thought we were appealing to. The main yeah. um, group was survivalist, which is so huge in the US. Like coming from right, the yeah. US, did not get it, <laughs> but it's it's such a big like survivalist preppers. There's just a huge community of people that really um, really value emergency emergency yeah. products. Um, and so we thought that kind of that would fit. Um, also, sailors, you know, that's a huge thing. If you can be at sea and not have to bring water, that's, right. that's significant. Um, so, uh, so yeah, we had an idea and then when we started running ads, doing some outreach, doing some work that gradually kind of got refined. 
Um, what we're really clear on saying it is an emergency device. It's not something mm. that you, you should rely on because it's manual effort. Um, you know, it's 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 a lot of work. You don't want to be producing all your water for the rest of the rest of your sailing trip, for example, using just right. the device. And through advertising as an emergency device, I think that naturally honed the audience um, because those that recognise when what emergencies they could be useful recognise that I think within their lifestyle. Um, so yeah, so again, it was a, was an experimental process at the beginning, and um, I think now we found it's it's most appropriate for those who live live near the sea, are regularly going on kayaking trips, sailing trips, yeah. and have been in those sticky situations before. Um, sure. And uh, on the kind of donation humanitarian side, anyone that kind of has an experience of either living in a country which struggles with access to clean water um, or works within that industry as well, we found a lot of people interested from that side. So let's talk a little bit about, because I hear this quite a bit, where a lot of my campaigns want to have that humanitarian effort. How do you walk that fine line between not being too much of that or having your focus be too much on that as opposed to the product? And because I see a lot of scenarios where I'm like, you know, it's not, you know, if I'm going on Indiegogo or Kickstarter, I want to buy the thing, you know, like I want the thing. So like, how do you, how did you guys decide or decide on how to navigate between those two worlds? Yeah, sure. So, um, that's totally fair. And I think maybe a problem actually at the moment is that you see a lot of companies kind of um, greenwashing. I know greenwashing is time specifically for climate change, but washing their, their product with some kind of social purpose to kind yeah. of fit fit with that within right. that group. We were aware of not doing that. Um, yeah. In terms of fi- finding that line, we did market this as a consumer product. So none, none of our ads were running and talking about the humanitarian aspects we we made that a big part of our communication with our community and on our website but our ads were like if you want to buy this thing come buy this thing Um, and then when you landed on the page there's more messaging around that so it really was a case of you know we're working with ngos it's a big part of what we're doing as a company but for the actual indiegogo campaign we were focusing on people wanting to buy the product because they thought it was a great product not because they wanted to donate or donate to a charity that wasn't sure. that, that wasn't the purpose of the campaign yeah sure yeah yeah it's it's just it's something that i think you guys did a really good job of navigating it because it's not it's a it's there but it's not your main focus i think you guys did a really good job at so where in this whole process does crowdfunding actually start to kind of fit into the to the equation of like hey we should go on indiegogo and launch this yeah well i think um as as obviously you all know crowdfunding has really evolved from really being a way to kind of democratize access um, to funding and um, encourage early adopters to now really quite a very advanced and sophisticated product launch platform. Um, I think we fit somewhere along that timeline. So we have this, we have a prototype that isn't, isn't the version that's going to be in backers' hands. Um, it's going to be a much slicker, more aesthetic version. And so we, we wanted to launch the product. We felt like it was really good timing, um, especially having just come off the Techstars Accelerator. Um, and also in, in the middle of this uh, coronavirus crisis where access to clean water is so vital, it felt like a, a really good kind of solution now to onboard people and get people interested in talking about it um, and then use those funding to, to complete production. So it was the case that you know, we had the equity funding to move forward with this, but we just really wanted to involve people earlier and uh, we yep. feel like a big part of our mission is um, involving people that are passionate about fighting the water crisis. And it feels like the people that are on Indiegogo and, and on Kickstarter are the kind of people that, that want to be involved in that and be part of that early conversation. And um, so that's why we decided to do it. That's cool. And you mentioned something in there that I think is a, is a challenge or a struggle point for a lot of creators. Maybe you can talk about this is, you know, you mentioned like, well, the final version is going to be more slick. 
It's going to have this, you know, it's going to be smaller or whatever, you know, whatever all the little final designs get to happen. How did you know that you at least had something that will represent what it's going to do in your photos, your videos, all of your content, social media, all that stuff? How did you know that you at least were at a point where like, I feel comfortable putting this out, even though the final one may be tweaked a little bit. I think that's tough for a lot of people to Mm. To not be like, oh, I, I, we have the perfect version. Now we can do it, right? Like, it may never be the perfect version. It's so how yeah. did you know to like start pushing it out there? You know? Yeah, yeah, that's a really good question. And um, yeah, that's definitely not an e- easy decision to make as a creator. I completely understand why people might hold off. I think the biggest thing is um, we knew we had validation, so we had a third party um, come into our lab and test it and say like, yes, this does everything it's supposed to. We did kind of our taste test video where we literally had someone take seawater and then drink it a few moments mm-hmm. later. Um, so we felt like we had those validation mechanisms um, to ensure that, first of all, we'd be completely transparent about the state of the product development. Um, and then we also had, we had a design timeline and a manufacturing timeline to show the final product. So it was really a case of um, timing for us in terms of the industry was, was really vital. And I think we had a window there to act within. Um, and then once we had the validation content, it just felt like the right time. And we, we were getting that messaging from our audience as well. So it's a combination of us creating the right content that we felt was the right content. And then also getting that, that feedback from our community at, at feeling like the right time to launch. Sure, sure. How, how long of a time frame are we talking from concept to where we are right now? Sure. So um, the, the final concept for Crunchy was around, um, let me make sure I'm getting this right. So it was coming into the beginning of this year. It was the the kind of the dirty prototype. It's like yeah. I think that's a very right. harsh word considering yeah. <laughs> considering yeah. what, what it was doing. Um, <laughs> and then the, the final kind of slick prototype was ready at the beginning of at the beginning of spring. Um, and and since then, uh, it's now got to the point where the prototype was the one that we wanted to share with the world and, and raise from. That's cool. So, as a team, what was the thing that was keeping everybody up at night the most? Was there one thing that you guys are just really like, this needs to, this needs to happen, you know? Yeah, I think you touched on it at the beginning, really. It's, um, this is the first time we've really kind of pushed the product, pushed the team, been very open with what we were doing. And because it was this innovative product and because people have been burnt on crowdfunding before, we were getting the comments that was like, this is a scam, it's too good yeah. to be true. And those are really hard to process, especially, and I think um, the, uh, our head of digital strategy, Mo, did a really, he was definitely more le- level-headed than me, because I think you take everything very personally. <laughs> uh, and he was really good at responding and saying, like, yeah, we, we get why you we understand why you're saying this, here's our testing video, and um, feel free to ask any questions. So I think, um, yeah, like, Mo definitely managed that really well. Um, but that was, I think that was the thing. I think this is the first time, and I think anyone who has any experience of running a business or being or really advertising themselves or pushing something that they're passionate about, there's that level of vulnerability. And I think that that was something that was hard for all of us to, to manage the first time. Um, but I think it was managed really well by the team. And I definitely can't take personal credit for that because <laughs> I was growing. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Um, yeah, well, I mean, you, you mentioned it. I think it's the, uh, you mentioned vulnerability. I think it's the biggest trait that all project creators need to have because you're going into a space where, your idea may be wrong or may be validated. It may be, you know, you may have to be open to listen to the, 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 the critiquing of it. That's challenging for a lot of people who are like, this is my baby. This is my thing, yeah. you know? So, to, you know, so I, I, it's good to hear that you guys as a team went into that knowing, you know, there's going to be a lot of, uh, you know, it, it, it's a weird ride, you know, it, it's, 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 it's a whole different animal, you know, and, and the community is so strong 
you may be walking away with absolutely amazing ideas that change your company in a good way, you know, and it's, 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 yeah. it's good to be open for that, you know? Yeah, definitely. And actually one thing, um, so it'll be officially, officially announced, but we are planning on extending the campaign as I've kind of mentioned um, in our mm-hmm. kind of prior chat. Um, and the reason for that is because we basically want to supply everyone with filters. Um, and we've done this because everyone has been saying, can we get a filter with this? Where can we buy filters? And we were like, hey, this is, we understand this is a big thing that the community want. And understandably, you want to have that backup filter. And we right. don't want to make that user journey for getting the filter difficult. Um, and that has come purely from listening to our feedback and listening to what people want. And I don't think you ever really get that uh, relationship with with consumers um, on like an e-commerce site that you right. do like do the crowdfunding. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. Well, let's flip over. I mean, we've we've kind of we've danced all around the uh, Indiegogo. We haven't actually talked about the actual numbers. So while we're talking right now, it says six days, but you mentioned you're going to extend. But you know, over eighteen hundred backers, one hundred sixty-seven thousand dollars as of right now. It's still obviously growing, but the number that sticks out to me is actually that backer number, the over eighteen hundred people. I uh, you know I think that is a huge, huge uh, testament. So. You know, what were you guys looking for after you just determined that Indiegogo was going to be a part of this? What told you that you guys were ready to launch? Did you have an, a lot of email addresses, good social media? Like, how did you know that we're ready to hit the launch button? Um, so it was really our mailing list that, that kind of did it. So we had an idea of the kind of milestones we wanted to hit um, based on just talking to previous backers and understanding, uh, having an idea of crowdfunding talked to the Indiegogo team as well that were really supportive. Um, So we were hitting those kind of quantitative numbers. So we knew like that in theory we were ready. Um, And then, then, yeah, we were just getting comments where people were like, where can I buy this? Where can I buy this? How much is it? And it it just felt like the longer that kind of pre-launch phase went on, the more people would, um, yeah, kind of get turned away. So we wanted to make sure we were hitting this kind of tide where people were had heard about it, had engaged with it, and then were ready to buy. Um, and I think that is a balancing act, and it's, it's always difficult finding the right moment. But for us, that was the point where we felt like we were ready. Yeah. Has there been um, something that stood out as like, Ben, I, I, we were not expecting this, uh, you know, really big in Singapore or whatever it might be. Has there been something <laughs> that just stood out that you're like, I just, we just would have never thought this at all? Um, I think the amount of PR that we've got has been amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, we have been working with an agency who have been fantastic, but particularly the the, the range of different responses. We um, we got featured on um, what was it? It was something like Boomers Daily. So <laughs> like the term like millennials, boomer, like there's, there's a blog and they were raving about it and they loved it. And we've been on like a few German prints and French and yeah. just like all over Europe. And I think that's been really amazing to see. We've had a really range from um you know more like bbc world service today to yeah boomers daily and like these really niche water publications that are talking about a product and telling their backers about it um telling their, their readers about it so mm-hmm. i think that's been the biggest thing actually with just how enthusiastic and and the extent of print as well that that we're keen to talk about it um has been has been really amazing to see yeah, you know press is challenging a lot for crowdfunding and i'll tell you you know for us as an agency we we focus on it. It's a part of it. But unless your product has that, pretty much the thing I open up our conversation with that sort of wow factor of like, I need to see this. I got to, I got to deep it. That's what gets pressed. That's really what moves the needle. If you've got something that just, it's a crowdfunding campaign, yeah, it's okay. you know, yeah. so it, you have that sort of element that, that really, I can see, I, I mean, I would definitely read those articles. I could see that being on a mashable or a tech crunch and going, what is this thing? You know, cause it's got that factor. So it, I can see how press really, really jumped on this, uh, on this campaign. So, um, so let's talk a little bit about 
what has been like an overarching strategy? I know you had press, you said you're working with uh, with some, some help on this stuff, but just to kind of keep the energy up for an Indiegogo campaign, what have you been doing inside of it just to make sure that you're always driving enough traffic to uh, uh, to get backers? Sure. Um, and I'm, I'm sure you're kind of familiar with this term, but really we, and we really understood this crowdfunding is, is a marathon. Um, and it's yeah. definitely about kind of keeping energy, not just within the campaign, kind of that metaphorical energy and momentum, but also just keeping energy levels within the team high. So I think a big thing is that naturally different members of the team have kind of taken over in communication. So we've had people kind of dip in and out of replying to comments, replying to emails um, and managing that side. So we've kind of distributed that workload, I think, very effectively. Um, And then in terms of actually the the momentum of the campaign, I think we've been really... um, as you'll know, the Indiegogo dashboard gives you quite a lot of information about kind of conversion, what's working, where, where the pledges are coming from. Um, mm-hmm. And we've just been really kind of receptive to those things. And I think initially we were, I think initially we weren't as reactive as we could have been because there's always this concern, you know, we've got 30 days, we don't want to take any risks and change anything and then it'll work out. Um, but actually towards coming towards the end, we were like, well, we've done what we wanted to now. Let's, let's see what else works. Let's keep the learnings from this campaign going. Yeah. Um, so in the last few days, yeah, we changed like the complete kind of aesthetic of the ads that we were using. Um, we've d- done more, um, like we, we're using Kick Booster, and I've done some outreach to actual boosters and saying like, what do you think we could do? Let's get your feedback and just basically more talking. Um, yeah. So I think that's been a big thing. There's been like um, the high, the kind of big, big things like the ads and, and press and thinking about um, the messaging and whether we need to change that. But also just kind of getting really into the details, talking to people that have backed or talking to people that haven't yet backed and asking them, what they think we can do to change. Um, so I think the main, if there's a way I would summarize how we've kept momentum, it's giving ourselves complete visibility over what backers are thinking, what potential backers are thinking, and what the wide audience is thinking. Yeah, that's, I think that's, that's great advice. So after the money starts dropping or this campaign kind of closes up, what starts to happen on your guys' end to get these into uh, backers' hands? Sure. So as I kind of mentioned, the, the inner workings of the product is ready. Um, it's just not looking very pretty. Um, so the next step is a big thing, a certification of the product, which we'll, we'll, we'll be getting. Um, and then the focus is, um, yeah, on form design, um, finding the, the, well, the best design um, for, the, for the outside of it, testing that um, specifically, um, test it, testing how the design feels for users in terms of use. Um, and then just doing lots and lots of rigorous testing. So um, the February delivery date, so it's February 2021, that is, that's definitely giving a lot of leeway, I think, because of the current situation and mm-hmm. the fact that not all, the team, not all team members are in Dubai, including myself. Right. Um, so there was, you know, inefficiencies associated with that. But um, we think that's, we're, we're aiming to deliver before there, definitely. Um, and the vast majority of product development is going to be testing um, and, yeah, just refining really the design that we already have. Gotcha. Does a product like this, um, so here in the States, we have like the FDA, does a product like this have to qualify for anything like that in terms of like, it meets some standard or anything because it's water and drinking and filtering? Like, is there anything like that you have to go through? Um, So I, again, I think there'll be someone in the product development team that would give a better answer to this. But my understanding is that there are, in order to say that you have cleaned water in any way, it has to be below a certain TDS. Mm. Um, and so that's what we have to make sure it is. And I believe that's part of the certification process. Gotcha. Um, in, yeah. Make sure we're able to sell it as it is. Hmm. Yeah, that's just, I don't know, something that's popped in my head and because you are, you know, 
filtering. So I was wondering what the certification or what, you know, what the, the, the lawyer language on the box has to say, you know, that yeah, type of stuff. No, exactly. <laughs> you know? Um, I mean, you know? there's also, um, you know, patterns that have been, um, yeah. filed with that in mind as well. Um, right. so I'm, I'm definitely sure that there are, you definitely can't say like, <laughs> here's a pot of water. You can definitely drink it. <laughs> right. Um, right. So yeah. <laughs> That's cool. That's cool. So I guess for you guys as a company, you know, we've kind of talked about maybe what this next year might look like. How about a five-year picture? Like what, what does this look like um, for you guys, this product in particular, and just kind of as a whole? Sure. So I think um, the focus for Quench C, um, and we've made kind of big pledges, humanitarian pledges, and the campaign is very much part of that, you know, buy one, donate one. Um, so a big part of uh, the journey with Quench C over the next five years is to be honest, vastly associated with that humanitarian aspect. Mm. So once the product development is done and the, the kind of consumer the consumer marketing side is delivered, the main focus will be on partnering with our NGOs, expanding the number of NGOs we're working with and really distributing them as quick as possible. And this was really the design for Quench C. Um, the, the innovation in terms of the filters, it's the, the actual technology is not the innovation, it's the packaging of the innovation. And um, so having done this and created this device, which is going to be so important for the humanitarian crisis, then the focus shifts onto bigger, larger scale devices and further innovation within that technology. Um, so on our website, um, quenchc.world, there are further links to the different kind of concepts and the other products that we're developing, which is probably the best place to, to kind of yeah. see that. Um, but yeah, there's, I think, within water in general with and even specifically within the ocean there's still so much potential and the technology is is rapidly changing and evolving um, so really as a company the focus is going to be on um yeah looking at other ways other other innovations that we can support beyond kind of crunching yeah is there a is there a government play in this for you guys in terms of like 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 a like you know a hurricane strikes you know, and, you know, it's like we have FEMA here in the States of like, we ordered, you know, 50,000 of these things. They all have to go to Florida, you know, or whatever it is. Is there, is that like a part of where you guys see your roadmap going something along those lines? And um, that, I think that definitely, I mean, those, those operations and who manages those operations are of course um, vital to any kind of humanitarian relief. Um, I think in, in terms of our role with any of those kind of emergency crisis situations, we we would work with our NGOs, so we wouldn't direct. I don't think we would d- directly work with with governments yeah. managing crises. It would be through the NGOs that have a lot more experience, kind of managing right. that. Um, but definitely, we obviously want Quench C if it's going to be useful in a situation to to be able to be provided quickly. Sure, awesome, awesome. Well, um, I've been asking everybody at the end of my interview since we've all been locked in a few questions that aren't about crowdfunding. So if you're game, uh, I can shoot them at you if you're ready. Yeah, go for it. Okay. So uh, what have you been watching on the old Netflix or the Hulu or whatever streaming channel oh, you're yeah. in? You, you um, so I just started watching Queer Eye, like actually uh. kind of half an hour ago. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's, yeah, I've enjoyed the first 20 minutes, but the jury's still out. I haven't, I haven't seen enough of it. Uh, the, big, the big one I've been watching is the Fargo TV series. I haven't yet seen the film, uh. but I started watching TV series. Very good. Very the, the TV series is amazing. Uh, so yes. Good. So I think I think there's what I think there's three seasons of that. So hold on, they they are all very 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 good. And you know oh. what's interesting about the Queer Eye is I actually send that I do a lot of coaching for startups and I tell a lot of people like go watch that because there's such a like a, a lot of it is about self esteem business and presenting yourself. And I'm always like if you're going to do crowdfunding, 
like, watch this. You've got to present yourself. You've got to go out and, you know, talk, right? Like yeah. do stuff like we're doing right now. It's, it's a big part of it. So that's great. How about, um, how about books? You're reading any books right now? Um, yeah, I have to say, I, I, I think a lot of people have had this transition in lockdown where at the beginning I was like reading a book every few days. I was making banana bread. I was going on the runs and then I really stagnated. Like I think since it's extended longer than maybe a lot of people thought the, the routine hasn't been as strong, but recently I have started reading again um, and got kind of back into being a bookworm. Um, I'm reading a fiction at the moment, um, Where the Crawdads Sing. Okay. Um, um, I can't remember um, where I actually discovered it, but yeah, I, I've got into fiction recently. Um, so not probably your listeners are <laughs> not the most interested, but in terms of some of some really good books I have read in lockdown, big one was um, Rest. Um that was that was really good. It's very similar to I don't know if you've read Why We Sleep by Matthew Walker. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, I just talked about that. Uh, about I think like ten episodes ago, we had an alarm clock. You know, all about sleep. Uh, yeah. and, and I think he talked about that same book that he read. So yeah, yeah. So that's I, I read that kind of a couple of years ago, and it really transformed the way I thought about sleep. Um, and yeah. rest is a similar one. It basically just talks about how important mm-hmm. deep rest is um, for your yeah for your well being. So I read that, and that really um, yeah that was really good. So. If anyone cool. is looking for a nonfiction recommendation, I definitely recommend that. One. That's cool. That's cool. Now I know you listen to my podcast every day. You're always listening to that. But <laughs> is there any other podcast that you might give some time to? Um, I think my recommendations are probably ones that everyone listens to. Um, like 99PI, um, yeah. absolutely love. Um, uh, this American Life, I really yeah. love. Um, and finally, this is this might be very UK centric, but it's um, called the High Low. It's basically um, two two best friends, and you can. You can always tell that dynamic on the podcast when they're really good friends because it's absolutely hilarious. And they just do similarly to what we've just done. They do book reviews and good TV programs that they've watched during the week. And that's a really good one to kind of, yeah, get recommendations from. That's cool. All right. My last one is, is there any like resources in terms of of blogs or a website you kind of go to consistently just to either one, stay up on your industry or stay up on marketing or just just to kind of, you know, dive into like, oh, this is what people are doing. We talk, we've mentioned Facebook ads quite a bit. Is there anything that you're kind of always going to as a resource? Um, I think, honestly, I, I tend to go to different resources depending what other people have recommended. I do have, I have this one newsletter that I really love. Um, it's by um, Farnham Streets and the the newsletter is called Brain Food. And it's really mm-hmm. good every, I think it's every every two weeks they send a newsletter and it's, it has like a few quotes in it, quotes from the week to like summarize the week, um, a podcast recommendation, a few books recommendation and articles recommendation. And it's always just like a really good creation of yeah. good content. And um, so, yeah, so that's really good. I recommend that. That's cool. That's cool. So, you know, you mentioned it before the website, but where should we send people? Where do you want people to kind of dive into your world, even if it's outside the Indiegogo or social media? Like where, where do you want people to go to, to kind of learn what you guys are working on and, and stay up to speed on it? Sure. So definitely the website is the best place at the moment to have a full overview of what we're doing. So that's quenchseed.world. Um, but we really, um, and as I've kind of spoken about, our community is a huge part of why, why we're doing what we're doing, but also how we're evolving what we're doing. So if you've kind of listened to this and you're interested in speaking to the team more, just engaging kind of more intimately with what we're doing, the private Facebook group is the best place. So yeah, if you just search quenchseed, you'll see our Facebook page and our Facebook group and yeah, come and join and say hi. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Hannah, I appreciate you taking time out of your day. It's Friday. Your day's winding down here. Uh, it's, 
amazing. Uh, I mean, just one of those campaigns that I'm, I'm just like, I was giddy about having this conversation because I knew it was, it was going to be a good one. So I encourage everybody to go check it out. Go over to Indiegogo. I have all everything in the show notes here. So make sure you go check out, say hi, become a backer, uh, support what they're working on because it was a really, really amazing campaign. And uh, I wish you guys a lot of luck in the future. It's, it's great what you guys are working on. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Awesome. Thanks so much. conversation i told you it was a good one and it was good very very good so make sure you guys go over to indiegogo or uh you guys can go over to the facebook group check it out google quench see um see where they are right now i mean their indiegogo ended a, a, a little while ago but just kind of see the progress see what they're working on see how everything's going um very 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 cool campaign so with all that said we're gonna rock out right now to the urs that's right yeah the urs um, so check out this band. They're from Detroit. I don't know if they're still around anymore. You know, I'm kinda, I don't know if any bands are still around. I'm not sure, but, um, yeah, so go check it out and, uh, I hope you guys enjoy and I'll talk to you all on Thursday. Later. Flavor in your flavor.